Well, good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? Great. I just want to say thank you, Angie, for sharing last week. And uh, we, I listened to the message on the plane and uh, come flying back. She did an amazing job. Can we give a hand to Angie? We just so appreciate her and the call of God on her life and the anointing. Uh, amazing. Happy birthday, Caitlin. Woo! To be 22 again. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Uh, we so appreciate Caitlin. Look at her sneaking in the back. And uh, you need to hug Caitlin. You need to go get her gift cards. You need to give her gas. Come on, church. Amen. You need to bless this woman. And she has sacrificed her life, really, in, uh, as devoted it to, to follow the Lord as a young person. And we are all blessed richly because of it. Can you say amen? Amen. Just a quick Quick update, I know there's Facebook updates. Thank you for all of you that have prayed for Ron and Sister Teresa. Uh, such an such a, a, a important surgery, brain surgery. Uh, you have to be extremely brave to go through that. And hundreds of people were praying. Surgery went well. Thank you for your continued prayers uh, for her and recovery. Uh, she is doing well. It's amazing how exhausting, she said, it is just to, to, to say certain things and just to train certain parts uh, after that, and, and, and we just talk, and some people talk all day, and, but just for her to do a 10 minutes, it was exhausting, and so just thank you. We just appreciate uh, a full recovery, and, and um, uh, they've, they've, they believe they got most, if not all, of that out, and what a, what a miracle in that. God really, truly works through uh, the medical community, and it is him who has given wisdom for that, and we thank the Lord for that. Amen. Well, let's take a moment and pray as I jump in. Just have a short word here today. Uh, I want to talk to you as we continue in our series. Lord, we, we humble ourselves before you. Lord, I recognize that in and of myself, I have nothing good to say, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak through me. Give to your people here today. Many are coming with needs, and they need answers, and uh, they need a touch from you. And, and, and Lord, you are so awesome as a, a mighty God that you're able to do that. You're able to speak to every individual here today that they can leave with a voice, a word from God. We ask this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. I want to talk to you about true worship continuing in our series. I just subtitled this, Giving Up Control, Giving Up Control. And our text has been Psalm 40, verse 3. God has put a new song in my mouth. Many will hear it in fear and trust. Somebody shout trust. And we're going to talk about that, that what that word means. Uh, last few weeks, some of the verses, James 4, 8, uh, come close to God with a contrite heart, and he will come close to you. And we said this each week. Who initiates? That was pretty weak. Who initiates? <laughs> because 2,000 years ago, Jesus already initiated and came to man on the cross. He initiated. He took the effort. He came down to earth and provided salvation to all who will receive it and accept it. And so we come close to God with that and we come close. We wash our hands and we, 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 we become faithful, get rid of this double-mindedness in our life. So we draw near to God. And uh, I don't know what happened here, why we're on that slide, but maybe we can... Uh, oh, you, that's right. It's the next slide. Thank you. 
The primary purpose, she is on top of it, Jam back there, another awesome woman. The primary purpose of worship is for you, me, to minister to the Lord, not for him to minister to us. Now, how many know that when we do, he does? Come on, amen, he does, and his presence is here. Uh, but we need to minister. That's, that's not why we're here. We, we don't want to confuse the purpose of praise and worship with the perks of praise and worship, amen? And so Angie asked me last week, shared about it, and she said, the greatest desire of the Lord is that we may know him and he may know us. God desires to know us. He says, well, he knows everything about us, yes. But there's, he desired to meet with Adam and Eve and walk with them daily in the garden. If he knew everything about him, he could say, create him and walk on and go on. But he wanted, there's something about us in his creation above the angels, above the angels, when we enter into eternity, that, that, that we will rule and reign and be a part of God's, actually sons of God, the family of God. And we'll have angels to boss around. <laughs> some of you think, yeah, I want to boss some angels around. Do this. Go do that. And so Angie shared, and I like this verse of Philippians 3.10. Paul says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I wanted to suffer with him. Sharing in his death even goes on to that depth. And, and uh, so we see that, and we talk about that Paul's desire for a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Again, listen to me. We all, or should all, have some experience of where we encountered the Lord. Isn't that right? When you were born again, God touched your life. Let that not be the last time. God has subsequent times where he will touch and minister your life and bring freedom, bring healing, bring deliverance, bring clarity. Come on, am I speaking to anybody? And, and constant experiences. We don't chase the experiences we seek him, right? I mean, some people, they go from place to place to place. They're looking for an experience. And my brothers and sisters, the experience is right here in God's presence, and you can experience him. And so Angie hit on, I really like the outer court, inner court, in the holy of holies, and that there's a progression in worship. You know, there's, a, there's a, you know, the outer court, she talked about, it's noisy, you're close to God, but there's not this intimacy. Then there's the inner court, the temp, tent, excuse me, up the sanctuary priests, they go in and they change the showbread, and, and, and we see that. And then there's the, the holy of holies. And that was the place, the day of atonement. One day a year. That forgiveness for all the children of Israel where the priest would go in and, and some say they would tie a rope on his ankle and he had, uh, he had the robes on and the bells, the pomegranates, and every time they heard the bells, they know the priest is all right. He's instructed. So if he dies in there, we can't go in there, so we're going to pull him out. So, you know, well, that, as far as we know, that never <laughs> happened. But, but, but that was something possibly that they would do. And then there was the two goats, the sin offering and the scapegoat. And, but when Jesus died on the cross and he said, it is finished, that thick veil in the temple that the priests could only go in once a year was ripped from top to bottom. And what did that mean? God was saying, it's open. It's open now. I want to come and abide within you. That you now, neos in the Greek, become the holy of holies. If you let that, when you receive Christ into your life, you become a dwelling place of God. I'm a little excited this morning because I haven't preached last week. Is that Okay. God is good, amen? And I like how she ended, she said, you get to choose how close you want to draw close to God. You do. 
I'm okay, just a little surfacey stuff coming in. And, you know, there's some radical people. I'm like, well, I remember talking to one guy. I'm like, what was radical about? Well, this is this guy. He's really radical. I'm like, he's really on fire for Jesus. I'm like, well, what is it that he's doing that he's so on fire? He lifts his hands during worship. Okay. <laughs> I thought that was a given, you know. I thought that was just part of being a believer. Come on, somebody. Now, I know some of you, you still struggle, but you're going to get there someday. You're going to get there someday. Why? We just encourage you. It's a slippery slope here at Harvest. You just slip in. Next thing you know, man, I'm doing stuff I never thought I'd be doing. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen? Uh, let's continue. Psalm 43. God has put a new song in my mouth. Many will hear it in fear and trust in the Lord. That word trust in the Hebrew is an interesting word. Um, that meaning, it means to trust means to throw down uh, upon one's face, to lie extended on the ground. Now watch this. A holding onto something or someone by clinging or confiding. Now, I like how the Amplified says it. Oops, uh, there we go, already on top. Psalm 43, he says, he taught me, this is the Amplified, it's a different version. He said, he taught me how to sing the latest God song. A praise song to our God. More and more people are seeing this. And then it goes on like this. It says, they are entering the mystery, abandoning themselves to God. They enter the mystery. Can we say that word abandon? Abandoning themselves. What does that mean, to abandon yourself? That would be full trust in God. Full trust in God. Friends, that is what worship is. And sadly... Sadly, some people during the worship portion of the service were singing, but the, you know, you can, how many know you can sing and lip sync a song, but not really abandon yourself to God? You're just singing. And you know, maybe it's like this you come into a service and you're in control, and then you ask for prayer in control, and you leave in control, come on, am I speaking to anybody? And you go to your quiet time, in control, and you leave in control. And God is looking for us to get to a place where we abandon ourselves in trust, in worship to the Lord. And I, I said this, true worship is abandoning our control of our life to God. Really, that's, that's really what true worship is. And really, we, I don't believe we really truly worship if we don't abandon control of our life to God. That's what worship is. And, and here's the thing. You encounter God when you abandon yourself in worship. Now, some of you are already tensing up and wondering, oh, God, where is he going with this? I'm not talking about running around, spinning a scarf or flag and with the attitude of, woo, look at me, look at me. I've been hit in the head by many banners. Come on, somebody. I've been part of the full gospel churches. Like, what is going on here? But I have been in some services where I've watched people abandon themselves to God, and it was glorious. It was freeing. It really was. It was freeing. And, and it's blessed me to the times where I've watched other people truly, whether they were dancing before the Lord or where they were worshiping the Lord or whatever, they were kneeling down or they were just, just weeping or they were just lifting up their hands in abandonment, whatever it was. Whatever it was, I've observed that, and I've been blessed by that. I think of, uh, and you know, so we're super conservative up here in Minnesota. And we, got, we got a, you know, we got an image. We got a, you know, because everybody else is that way, cause, so then we should be that way. Come on, people, amen. How many know our standard is what the word says, not what culture says? 
all right? So we follow not culture, we follow what God says. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for people like that. You know, uh, recently, my daughter Destiny was at the Mardi Gras outreach. Uh, was uh, Fat Tuesday uh, was February 13th, and we've, my wife and I, we've taken teams many, some of you have been, many of you have been down there, Angie and others at Diane Mittendorf and uh, Angie Ellis and, and, and others been down to New Orleans, and we've done it for five, 15, 20 years, whatever. Rhonda keeps correcting me on how many times we've been down there, but to me, it was a long, a lot of times. Standing there on Bourbon Street with a sign and tens and thousands of people coming by, some people throwing beer at you and some beads at you, and you don't want to look up at the balconies because you're going to be shocked on what you see. And I mean, but you preach the gospel, you share it. People come up, and a lot of people, they're just broken and they're drunk and they're just a mess. And there's people that scream at you. And I mean, I've held that knife point one time, and just, it's crazy stuff. Some of you thinking, look, it go there. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, but what they have is they have a time of ministry before you go out. All right? And so we used to meet in the John Curtis High School. And it, let me tell you something. It was nothing like this auditorium. It was pretty dumpy. <laughs> you sleep on air mattresses. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't snore, but some, come on, some people snore, and it's like a chainsaw at night. Eeeh, you can't sleep. And I'd have earplugs. I'm like, there's like 300 people, you know, in this place, or 400 people, and guys on one side and gals on the other side. And it was just, and so, so then they tear up all that stuff, and then they would have worship before you go out. Here's the thing, Rusty Nelson, we've had Rusty in when this church started, an amazing uh, national, international worship leader and pastor's church down uh, in the southern states. And uh, he would lead worship, and then many teams would come in, and they would lead worship. And, and what was the sight to behold was not the worship team. It was the worshipers. So these are men and women all across the country. They're pretty radical. I mean, they're like street, they're soul winners. Have you ever met a soul winner? I mean, they're all in. These people are just all in, and they love the Lord. But what they have down is, most of them, they're worshipers, worshipers. And I remember during worship times, I would sometimes just be sitting on the bleachers just weeping with the presence of the Lord. As worship was going on, and people were singing, and people were up front, and people were walking, and people just vibrant worship. Nobody's instructing what to do. They're just worshiping God. It is a sight to behold. Well, for all the years, I remember a guy. He was a he was an older guy, bald headed, and he was just like full of Jesus. This guy, and I remember just watching him. Worship would take off, or praise would take off. He'd get so excited, he'd take off running. He would go like this, and then he'd take off and run across, and the whole place came unglued. And when I thought, how free that guy is. Now, some of you are thinking, oh, God, where is he going with this? Where is he going with this? That man ran under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He loved the Lord. He didn't care, and his face shone. Just shone where he was loving God, and it blessed me. And I remember the last time I went, I said, Inky, where's the runner? He said, he passed away last year went to be with Jesus. You know what? It blessed my life, just seeing the runner each year. And it was a joy as we gathered together. How many hear what I'm trying to say this morning? Abandon means to give up with the intent of never again claiming a right or interest in. Like you abandon a property, you abandon a ship. It also means to give up the control or influence of another person or agent. So we're talking about giving up control in worship. And that takes trust. You have to trust the one that you're abandoning yourself to. 
Uh, so to truly worship, I believe, we need to abandon ourselves to God. We need to come in with a posture and a mindset that, you know what, there's a lot going on. There's a lot happening in my life. There's a lot of needs I need right now. But in this moment, I'm going to stir up the gift of God, and I'm going to worship God, even though I might feel, not feel like it. I want that to sink in. I'm hurting right now, pastor. You don't know. I'm fighting with my spouse. We came in here this morning. We've been fighting or whatever. We don't talk to each other. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to rise above the mess and see heaven's perspective in my situation. You can do that. God's given you the ability to do that. A simple definition is abandoning worship is an unmeasured, uncalculated, unconditional expression from the heart and directed to and or expression, expressing your passion for the Lord. Um, You're saying, basically, Lord, I love you for who you are, and I can't contain it. Lord, I love you for who you are, and I just can't contain it. And Lord, whatever you want to do, do in my life. I want to serve you. That, that's a basic, that's an understanding of what, when you abandon yourself to worship. Lord, I love you. How many with me here today say amen? So the question is, what's holding you back from true worship? What's holding you back? Well, you know, I have a reputation. I've got an image. I've got an image, you know. Got, got, got a, you know, I've, I've got, to keep, got to keep it all together. Maybe it's your pride. Maybe it's your reputation. You know, some say, you know, Pastor Mike, well, if I don't stay in control and take care of myself, who's going who's gonna to take care of me? I gotta, I gotta, I gotta be in control. How many? I understand there's an aspect of taking care of ourselves. I understand that one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. Amen. Right? That's a, and I understand that, but that's something that the Holy Spirit watches produces in us when we give up control, when we abandon ourselves to Him. Okay? Have you ever thought about this? Like, like you're here at church and and um, so, so you make a decision, okay, I'm going to come in. I'm going to abandon myself to the Lord. And, and, and I'm, I'm actually going to give up control during this time of worship. And I'm going to receive from the Lord. And, and I'm going like, to let Jesus take control. And I'm going to worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, and I, I want to say that many times, friends, we miss this. We miss People come to church and they leave sadly without being touched by God. That's not the purpose of church for you to come and do a religious duty. Your purpose of church is if you come to experience God. And sadly, many churches, they're built and structured for you not to experience God. That's grieving. It's like, where is the Lord in all this? That's not what we, we, we strive for here, not in the flesh, but just in the spirit. We strive to depress and to give opportunity for you each week, Caitlin and the worship team. And some of you, actually, you have ministry gifts of instruments that you could help bless this worship team and us all, but you're sitting on them. I want that to sink in. Yep, you're sitting on them, and you know you can play the violin, or you can play the trumpet, or you can play the saxophone, or it would be great to have all that up here. I'm just throwing that out there. Wow, he laid a bomb on us. Yeah, I did. (laughs) Get up here. We want to see what you got in the Lord so we can worship and praise God with you. All right, I'm going to let that sink in. (laughs) And I lost my spot, so... (laughs) 
<laughs> I was so focused on that. We miss this, though. We listen to worship music in our homes, in our cars, and we sing a few songs. All that is vital. That is vital. We, you have to create an atmosphere. You, you really need, that is vital. I'm not saying anything negative about that. But when it comes to worship and abandonment, we're still in control. Still got to be in control and not allow the Spirit of God abandoning ourselves. And, and, and I just want to say, stop worrying about what others think about you during worship. Stop worrying. Just stop worrying. Just like, I am here to, to get a hold of God corporately. I, I, I need to get a hold of God. And if it's a distraction for you, be in the back. We got plenty of room up front. A bunch of seats right here. You could be up front. I don't, if it's a distraction, you have these front rows are not sanctioned for just certain people, the upper rows. Amen? Yeah, you can come forward if you like, and you can just worship if, if it's distracting to you. Anyhow, I'm digressing. Let me move forward here. So I, what I'm trying to say is you have permission to worship God in this holy place, just as the Lord places on your heart. And I really believe many of you want to express yourself more. When I think of that man running and certain in the moment, I mean, it's dynamic worship. He was in the moment. He was expressing himself. I remember one time, uh, and Angie may remember this, we were, we brought in a guest speaker and we built the Destiny Center out in Ashby, and that was back in 1997. In 96, we started the planning in 97, I physically went out there <clears throat> with uh, Pastor Steve and, and a few others, and I laid the footings. I actually built the footings for this building. And we poured the footings, and then we had these special meetings. And so it was kind of a buzz with the church. And that day I got up, and it was kind of people were a little like, okay, we got a special meeting. They were a little subdued. And I said, church, I got an announcement. <clears throat> Today, we laid the foundation of the building. I'm telling you, all of heaven opened up in that place. They stood up and they roared. It was good news. It was exciting. But beyond that, it was like something got moved forward. And people started running around the church and shouting and dancing. And, and the guest speaker came in. What's going on? Because he thought, you know, he was the star of the show. And No, Jesus is. Amen? Jesus is the king of the house. Amen? And he can do whatever he wants to. You have permission to worship God in this holy place here. How many received that this morning? Amen? <clears throat> See, I believe this is where true peace and joy comes from. We have worry, fear, anxiety, depression, sadness. <clears throat> That's when we're in control. Watch this. When God's in control, you're fine. You're great. You're at peace. It's good. It's going to work. I, I just, it isn't like a, you know, I got to work myself up, positive power thinking. No, you just know. You just know I'm, I, God touched me, and I can handle this. I, I can go through this. The Spirit of God touched me today. I came in fearful, in control. I released it to God. He touched me, and it's going to work out. It's going to be all right. How do you know? I don't know, but God's going to do it. Amen. <laughs> Amen? That's the presence of God, and he's here today. And so why, why don't people abandon themselves more? And sadly, I mean, a lot of times people follow people. They say they don't, but they do. I mean, they follow people. And I, I think about this when I went before I went into the Marine Corps, I said, Marine Corps, I was 17 years old. And I remember saying, okay, I'm a Christian. And I, it, it was a real deal for me, my faith. And so I just began to go in a little closet, my little closet there on 532 East Street and just try to pray. And, and for 17 days I did that. And I was in there 
by the time it ended for an hour and a half. But when I started, I thought it was all day, and it was three minutes. Prayed for everybody, grandma, grandpa, you know, I, I was like, huh? And so I just began to, that became a habit of prayer, is what I'm trying to say. It's something was changed in my life, and, and I remember being sent down to the Paris Island, and and I'm like, where am I going? And, you know, this is crazy. And just thrust in where you can't get out. And 13 weeks later, I graduated and then had a month off and then went and was sent to Camp Lejeune back in 1984 and 85 and had my continued training and the combat arms. And I just remember while I was there, I'm in a squad bay. I didn't have my own room. Come on, think of camp, you know. 80 other guys, bunk beds. Snow, yeah, exactly. It was just awful. And on top of that, believe it or not, in the bathroom, the commode, was all the toilet seats there, no partitions. <laughs> I, want you to, I want that to sink in. This is back in the 80s. It's changed. So you got eight guys. <laughs> Anyhow, I'm going to move on. So I'm, I was glad when some guys started smoking. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, please, can you guys light up? I was glad. But my point was is that they would come at 2 of the morning back drunk, and, and they would come, and they would shake my rack. They're like, hey, Bart, you know, hey, and they just harass, and I'd get up. And, what? And I knew they were drunk, but they want to know you. Why, how come you don't do this? And I had to share my faith and just try to be bold and stand up. And, they, and they, what was sad was a lot of guys, this was sad, came from Christian background, came from churches, came, grew up and went into the military and they kind of just shed their faith just so they fit in. I don't want to get persecuted. I don't want my rack shook. I didn't do that. I don't say that with pride. I don't say that. But I was like, the more they persecuted me, the more I stood up. So I'm not backing down. You know, and what happened is all these guys are harassing me, mock me. I did debating with them, talked about the Bible and argue, and they'd laugh, and they'd, all of that. After a while, I get going, I'm promoted, keep getting promoted. Come on, somebody. Meritoriously promoted, keep getting promoted. And then now they blew up their life. They had a crazy affair, and the wife finds out, and she's leaving them. And you know what they do? They come to me. Corporal Bart, can you please pray for me? My wife's going to leave me. Oh, okay. You run around like a crazy man now. Now you need the Lord. And I would pray with them, love on them. They would come to church with me. We started the God Squad. And I made T-shirts up. Why? Because I wouldn't allow, watch this, the opinion of others to conform me into what they wanted. God is looking for men. And there are men in this church. There are women in the church that are like that. You have a made-up mind. Stop allowing the world to push you into its form and stand up and say, me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm not going to be ashamed. Amen. Amen. Some of you think, he could have taken another week off. <laughs> I'm almost done. I'm wrapping it up, really. Hallelujah. So why wouldn't we trust God more? And how can we? And how can we trust him more? You know, how many know it's not difficult to love and obey when you know the character and the love of the one you are submitting to? Um, I want to just kind of end with this, like dating. And then, and then, you know, when you date and then you eventually get married. How many know just because you're dating, you don't really trust the other person wholly? You're, you're growing to, right? You're learning. You're learning. And um, I've shared this before, but um, every couple's go, go every couple. Uh, couples go through stages and situation where your spouse should demonstrate over time that they are trustworthy. Can I get an amen? 
right? I mean, you don't marry them for them to go crazy, and then you just think, oh, that's just them, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. Trustworthy because you learn to trust their character over time. They're steady and they're consistent. Amen? Uh, how many know that you cannot truly love someone that you don't know or trust? Right? Right? So, so illustration. Some of you have heard this before. Ron had an old uh, diesel car, 1978. It was Delta 88 diesel. And I think it had like a 5.7 engine in it. And, um, uh, she needed an air filter. We just started dating. So she worked at the Women's uh, Teen Challenge in Fort Worth. And I was in Dallas. And so I would drive and go meet with her. And she's like, and she had a headlight issue too that she said she just prayed over it. And when she needed the light to go on, it went on. And I kind of mocked her. I'm like, let's change the bulb. You know what I mean? <laughs> but she was like, no, Jesus, turn that light on. For, and it, it worked. It did. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is unique. Well, she said she, she, said she, she needed an air filter. I'm like, I got it covered. I can handle that. Four bucks at Pet Boys. Come on, guys, right? She brings it to the dealership. $26 later just for the air filter. You pull it, I'm like, why didn't you let me pick it? She goes, well, I don't know you know what you're talking. I don't trust you. She's right, though. I, she, I, she didn't have enough experience with me to know that um, I could get this and unscrew it and put it on. Simple. Right, guys? <laughs> for, for most. Anyhow, that, my point was is that, that, it, that, you know, it takes time, and it takes time. I'm going to end with this. To really trust God, it's my last slide here, there. Stand with me if you would, please. To really trust God more, we have to know his character. Now watch this. We need to know God's character more. Because the more we know his character, the more we can trust him. Every head bowed, please, this morning. Lord willing, next week we'll touch on trusting God's character and about understanding certain traits of the Lord that, that, uh, that we can glean from as we study and we begin to know who God is. We can trust him more. We can abandon ourselves more in worship fully, trusting him, trusting him. But you're here this morning, and I want to invite the worship team to come forward because we want to have a time here in a moment where we just begin to worship God and uh, I'm going to dismiss the service. Those of you who need to leave, you feel free to leave. But those of you who feel like you just need to stay and you just need to soak in a little bit. Maybe it's something that's going on in your relationship with your spouse. I don't know. Maybe it has nothing to do with that. But you are feeling God's presence, which I feel the presence of the Lord here. I do. God is here, not just by faith, but I sense that God is touching people. He's touching people. But before we conclude and end in worship, with every head bowed, and you say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. Now, that doesn't mean you're hateful or angry or in unbelief. You just are not where you should be spiritually. Now, I know that could speak to all of us, even believers, but you don't have that assurance of salvation. You say, well, I die. I hope I go to heaven. I, I hope I make it. It's good to have hope, but the Bible says these things are written that you may know you have eternal life. God wants you to know some of you, you have lived in control your whole life. And even with your spirit, soul, and body, you're still in control. And God is saying this morning, surrender. Surrender control of your life to me. Trust me. And some of you, you feel through fear. You've been betrayed. You've been hurt. And like, where was God in that? If you trust the Lord in this moment with your life and your spirit, man or woman, God will bring answers 
to those situations in time. But the most important thing is for you to take the step to draw near to God in this moment. With every head bowed, you say, Pastor, that's me. I have never fully relinquished control and surrendered my life to the Lord. I've always been in control, kept God at arm's length. But right now, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to invite him in. I'm going to welcome him in. I'm going to let him be God in my life. And I'm going to relinquish control. That's you here this morning. You are feeling stirred. I want you to pray this as we pray it corporately. And what you're doing is you're inviting God Almighty to be king in your life, to be Lord and Savior of your life. You're allowing Him to take control, and you need to trust Him that He is about a good work. Say this to me. Say, Jesus, forgive me. I'm a sinner. Jesus, I confess that you are Lord and Savior. Jesus, you died on that cross 2,000 years ago for my sin. Jesus, today I relinquish control. Come into my life. Save me. Jesus, I give you my life. Now take it. In Jesus' name, amen.